It's so good to see you guys. Was that not incredible? Would y'all give a hand to the worship team in the True North Chapel and for all of you that got to hear them, so, so good. Man, you guys look good this morning. Everybody got all dressed up, looking sharp this morning. It's so good to see you. It's so funny, last night, we had our Saturday night service, packed. This room was full, our theater was full, True North full last night. Then Sunday, this morning, we had... 250 plus up on the hill, or 350 plus, I'm sorry, up on the hill, and then another couple hundred at our ADM. I thought I had seen everybody I knew. All right, so I'm really glad there's people left to come. I was, I was going, oh my God, nobody's gonna be here at 930, 11. So give yourselves a hand for being here today. You made my day. You made my day. Well, if I haven't met you before, I'm Mike, and we love Easter at North Star. We believe It's the most game-changing day in history, and it's the greatest story ever told. I had somebody this week go, man, y'all have got so many services, I bet you're dreading it. I was like, dreading it? Are you kidding me? Sunday afternoon, I'll dread it. But while we're here, we love it because we love telling the story of what happened. So, great story. There used to be a guy that did a TV show called the Art Linkletter Show. How many of y'all remember Kids Say the Darndest Things? Raise your hand if you remember that show. So he would have kids on there and kids would tell, you know, he would ask them a question and they would do what kids do and they'd say crazy things. What well, was Easter and he was a Christian and he wanted to tell the story of Easter. So he asked the question, what is Easter all about? And a, a little boy uh, raised his hand and he said, Easter's about bunnies. And he's like, oh, I mean, yeah. What? And a little girl, Easter's about candy. Well, yeah. And finally, a little boy in the group said, Easter is about Jesus. And he said, that's right. It is about Jesus. What about Jesus? And the little boy said, well, he said he died on a cross. He said, son, That's right, that's right. He did die on a cross. And the little boy said, and then they took him off the cross. He said, son, that's right, that's right. And what happened? He said, they took him and and they put his body in a tomb. He said, son, that is right, that's right. And what happened while he was in the tomb? He said, well, he laid there for a few days. He said, that's right. But what happened? He said, and and on a Sunday, the, the stone rolled away. He said, son, that's right, that's right. And what happened? He said, he got up. He said, that's right, it's national television. That's right, that's right. What happened when he got up? Little boy said he wasn't prepared for this part of the story. He said, and if he saw a shadow, he went back in for 40 days (laughs) and 40 nights. Man, no, 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 that's not the story. So we believe he got up and he changed lives he changed the lives of the people then, and he's changing lives now. If you got your Bibles, let's turn to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 17. We've been on this journey through Acts over these past few months, and man, today we just landed in the perfect place on an Easter Sunday. If you got an app, uh, got your phone, you go to the App Store, North Star Church, Georgia, the App Store, it's the easiest way to follow along, get a little sheet. So here's what happened. This early group of believers, this early group of followers, think about it. On Friday, we know Mary, his mother, was at the cross, and we know John, the apostle John, was there. Most of the disciples weren't there that day. They deserted. They thought he was gonna set up an earthly kingdom, and he didn't, and they they bailed. Sunday morning, they didn't go to the tomb to find it empty. They went to the tomb to anoint the body with spices. They didn't go because he said he was gonna rise again. They went because... 
you went. That's what you did. You had to anoint the body with spices and prepare and all that kind of stuff. And they found the stone had been rolled away. And on that evening, as the disciples gathered in a room, Jesus appeared to them. This resurrected Christ appeared to them. And these guys that were cowards are now willing to give their lives for it, right? You go to somebody's funeral on Friday and on Monday you bump into them at Publix, it'll get your attention, all right? And so that's what happened. They saw the resurrected Christ and this early church in the book of Acts, this early church began to gather and they went from 72 to 3,000 to now the church because of persecution, the gospel spreading and we find him meeting a guy named Saul who meets Jesus on the road to Damascus. Saul now becomes sort of a focal point of the book of Acts. And we found Saul last week beaten within an inch of his life, thrown into an inner dungeon. We find an earthquake, a warden hearing the story of Jesus that said, I want that guy you've been talking about. And now they're back at it again. He and Silas, Acts 17 verse 1. Ready? And it'll, it'll throw it up on the screen, so just read along with me. Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica. So this is a 100-mile trip these jokers are on, 100 miles. Paul had been beaten beyond what was even um, allowed. But, but he so believed in the resurrection he wasn't not gonna go tell the story because they're going now into a region they, they've never heard of Jesus. So they're in this, this town of 70,000 people and in this town of mostly Gentiles, they find a group of Jewish people that had a synagogue. So anytime there were 10 or more Jewish men, sellers told us a few weeks ago, they, they had a synagogue. We know that there was one in this region, and we find them going there. The road that they went on, it was really interesting, was paved by the Roman soldiers. It was called the Via Ignatia, and this road was able to be traveled on by Paul and Silas on the trip because the Romans had provided the paving for them as, as they went along. They did it long before C.W. Matthews, all right? And so it worked out really well, and they, they paved their way. Look at verse two. And Paul went in, as was within his custom, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned in the synagogue from the scriptures, meaning he knew they knew the Old Testament, but Paul is putting the pieces together. He's putting the puzzle together of who Jesus is and why he's the one they've been looking for. And look at what he says in verse three. He was explaining and proving that it was necessary for Christ to what? What's the next word? It's gotta happen. That's what he's telling them. It had to happen to suffer and to rise from the dead, saying, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you, he is the, what's the next word? He's the Christ. You see Paul going, he's the one you've been looking for. He's the one you've been searching for. He's the one that you have talked about and prayed for. He's the one and look at what he goes on to say. And some of them were persuaded. They believed. Some of you today will be persuaded. They believed. And look at what it says. And they joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. But the Jews were jealous, taking some wicked men of the rabble. They formed a mob. 
Okay, so they had this group that didn't like what was going on, and they formed a mob, and they set the city in an uproar, and they attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. So Jason was the local guy who housed Paul and Silas and the other believers in his house, and so they're going to punish Jason now. And when they couldn't find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before city authorities. And here's what the men of the rabble, I love that word, the men of the rabble were shouting. Listen to what they said. These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And Jason received them. And they're all acting against the decrees of Caesar the king. Listen to what they were saying. They're saying there is another king, Jesus. These guys aren't just babbling political talk. These guys are saying Caesar's not the king. They're saying Jesus is the king, and that's what we're gonna talk about today. Would you pray with me? Father, on an Easter Sunday in 2022, may the conviction and the passion and the burden showed by these men that day, may that story be as fresh today in our lives. Father, that is my prayer, and I pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Three things, pen, pencil, lipstick, mascara, something to write down, or your thumbing in your phone, I want you to write down a couple things. Number one, why Easter? Paul says, my sins need forgiving. I want you to write that down. My sins need forgiving. Their sins 2,000 years ago needed forgiving. Our sins now need forgiving. That's why he reasoned with them, and he explained that it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead. Here's what Paul knew. The people then and the people now, we all have sin. You're born with a sin nature, and sin separates us from God. If you spent, if this is where we live now, and this is heaven, and you did all good, like you lived a great life, and you did all good things, you would not be good enough to get there. See, heaven is perfection, and it's required. The only way to enter God's presence is perfection, and you and I all fall short. We all have sins that need forgiving. That's why when Jesus died, he shed, and I want you to write down this word because it goes all throughout the Old Testament. He shed his blood on the cross. What was the significance of blood? Blood is how you covered sin. So they would, remember the Passover? The, the lintel of the doors, they would put the blood of a Passover lamb so the death angel would come by. And then all throughout Jewish history, you see the blood of a sacrificial lamb covering the sins of people. So you and your family would make atonement for your sins and once a year you would make the trip up to the synagogue, to the temple, and you would say, we have committed sins, and they would slaughter a lamb, and those blood, that blood for that period of time would cover your sins. Jesus had to suffer and die because your sin and my sin needed to be covered, and we had no way to cover it. It doesn't matter how good you are, how pretty you all look, and you all look very nice, or on Easter, all right, it doesn't matter. You can't cover your sin. It creates a debt that is not payable from your human account. He reasoned with them and he prodded with them and he pleaded with them that he had to suffer and rise from the dead. Why do you have to rise from the dead? Because if he didn't rise from the dead, 
If he didn't overcome death, that means death's gonna overcome you. Had to happen. He knew that they had sins that needed to be covered. Number two, right? He knew that their world needed changing and your world needs changing too. Okay, can we, listen, we're not gonna get into politics, we're not gonna get into media, but can we all agree on something? There's a great Jewish word for our world right now and I, I wanna make sure I say it right, jacked up, all right? And so our world is jacked up. Can we all agree on that? I mean, our world's messed up. Your world and my world needs changing. So did theirs. It's interesting. These people who didn't know Christ meet Christ and they make a commitment. Here's their commitment. Their commitment is, I'm gonna make sure every living creature within the sound of my voice knows the Jesus I met. That's their commitment. And they turn their, look, look at the way it said, these men who have turned the world, what's it say? Upside what? They're just normal people. There was nothing great about them. There was nothing special about them. Here was what was unique and special about them. I want everybody to look at me. They met a risen Savior who was worth doing it for. That's the only reason they're doing this. They were people just living life like you and I are living life. And they met a Jesus who flipped their world upside down. And they're like, I'm going to spend the rest of my life telling the story. And they changed their world. Can we all agree? Boy, our world needs changing. How does our world change? It changes like their world did when we begin to be light in a dark world. And that's what they were. That's why they stood out. That's why they knew they're not like us. They're not, they're not the kind of people we are. Sins needed forgiving. Their world needed changing. Number three, ready? My heart and your heart needs conquering. My heart needs conquering. It's interesting the phrase they use there. They'll pop it up. The phrase was, they say there's another king, Jesus. See, back during that time, Caesar was the ruler of the day. Caesar dealt and, and ruled with all authority. And they're saying this guy, they're saying there's another king. Here, here was the difference about this king. His kingdom wasn't here. Yes or no question. Could Jesus have ruled and reigned at that time if he had so chosen? Yes or no? Yes. But he did it upside down. He died. And his kingdom now is in heaven. His kingdom's not here. And they're saying, they're not saying Caesar's the king. They're not, they're not saying Caesar isn't a king, but he's a little cake king. They're saying Jesus is a big cake king. And you're like, well, Mike, I mean, I don't know what really what that has to do with me. We don't, I don't bow to Caesar. He's not my king. No, but you got a king. I got a king. See, in all of our hearts, there's a king who calls the shots. Can I tell you who the king for most of us is? At least it's been for me. Me. I sit on the throne of my life. Right, so maybe this will help. So, my kids now are grown, but when they were growing up, there was something that happened. So, many of you, you don't know Mary Michael, my daughter. She's been gone since she was eighteen. She graduated, went off to college, interns every summer, and now she lives over in 
married, live in another part of Atlanta, and she was on our 25-year video. So if you were here then, you saw her. This is Mary Michael now. This is, this is a picture, and you're like, Mike, you've shown her in a wedding. Y'all know how much that cost? All right, that cost a lot of money. That wedding was expensive, <laughs> and I will show that picture as many times as I choose to, all right? And so it's a very expensive wedding. And so that's how you know Mary Michael. She's great with her words. I mean, she writes on Instagram and Facebook, and people are like, your daughter says the sweetest things, and I'm like, yeah, you know adult her, all right? And so this is the Mary Michael I remember. All right, that right there, that is the Mary Michael I remember. That picture captures her so well. If you look up sass in the dictionary, she was in it. She used to use a phrase, and she couldn't say her R's or her W's back when she was growing up, but here was her phrase. The phrase was, you're not the boss of me. All right, she used to say that all the time. You're not the boss of me all the time literally till she was 20, all right? She said that phrase all the time. By the way, you're like, I can't believe you're telling the story. This has been pre-approved by the princess, all right? And so she knows the story's being told. But I thought about that phrase a lot. Boy, we wanna tell God that sometimes, don't we? You're not the boss of me. Why do you know better? No, see, the world tells us build our kingdom here. Sit on it, rule it, own it. Achieve it, earn it. Here's the problem. You're a terrible king. Why? Because every kingdom comes to an end. In fact, scripture says all our days are numbered. Every king who's, who's ruled since the beginning of time, their kingdom came to an end, so will yours. There's only one king that still sits on the throne of his kingdom. You hear me talk a lot about a Bible study that I'm in on Mondays. So back in 2017, we began a Bible study at the bequest of some college coaches, college baseball guys and pro baseball guys to begin a Bible study for guys that travel. They recruit, they're scouting every weekend. They don't get to go to church, they don't get to be in a small group. So we started on Zoom 2017. I should have had stock. All right, and so we started in Zoom in 2017 and doing this Bible study. There were eight guys. They travel, so we said, let's do Zoom. You can be anywhere. We do it every Monday, 9 a.m., and we started meeting. So we started that in 2017, eight to 14 guys. Well, the pandemic hit, and it just, it pops. Guys started watching. Last Monday, we had 76 guys in the middle of season. We, have nine, we had 90 the other week. It's unbelievable. Well, we have a guy who I don't know very well. He's a pitching coach at a major university here in Georgia that chose to live sent, our phrase that we would use here at North Star. And he was at a pitching conference in the Midwest, called Pitching Palooza. Hundreds of pitching coaches from colleges and high schools, they're, they're at Pitching Palooza. And at the end of his presentation, he said, listen, this is about baseball. Now, let me tell you something personal. I'm in a Bible study that's been a difference maker. If you want any, any information on it, you should come see me at the end. Well, a guy went and saw him. His name's Dan. Dan was a, a pitching coach in California at a junior college. And Dan went up and, and met Fred. You'll hear his name here in a second and said, I want in it. And so every Monday, I get an email. I add Dan to the Bible study. So every Monday, 6 a.m. in California, Dan gets up, tunes in, starts watching North Star. I start communicating with him a little bit. Starts watching North Star. This goes on a couple years. 2020, I get an email from Dan, and Dan said, he's at a junior college now in uh, the Midwest, big one, and called Wabash Valley, and he said, Mike, there's something missing. I don't know what it is. There's something missing. 
There's something. I watch North Shore every Sunday. I sit in this Bible every week. But there's something missing. I had a feeling I knew what that something was. I called a good buddy of mine and I said, hey, would you be able to jump on a Zoom call? He said, yes. Dan now is a professional baseball scout. This is Dan's story about who is the king of his heart. Watch this, would you? Went to a, a pitching conference in Nashville, Tennessee called Pitchapalooza, and it's just long, heady conversations and presenters and just being talked at for an entire uh, three days worth. And then at the very end of a gentleman's presentation by the name of Fred Corral, he'd put up one slide that said, there's a, a Bible study I'm on. If anyone's interested, call. So I kind of took note and thought, ah, you know, I, something's calling me to want to get involved. And then a little later on in that day, they showed a gentleman that's now passed. His name's Coach Robicho. He was at the uh, Louisiana Lafayette for a long time, and he has a very famous YouTube video where he talks about being a kingdom coach and uh, what the platform of coaching can do, you know, to young men's lives. And I was in tears, and the, you know, kid you not, I felt just kind of ridiculous, but just in tears at this pitching conference, and it just hit me right then and there, and jumped on the call 45 minutes late the next uh, first Monday because the time changed. I was out in California at that point, and. Uh, we were told nine. I think it was actually eight. I was on seven or something. So it's just a, a mess, but uh, was on there and I've, I've tried to be on every day since. And that's how I you know, got involved. Truly, I felt like I was going through the motions. And I grew up, I went to a Catholic high school. I'd been baptized. I'd been through, you know, confirmation and first communion and all that. But it was just a checking off the boxes, if you will, and never had a, a true relationship. It was always religion over relationship for me. And I just got far away from it and didn't think twice about it. And then obviously uh, my wife and, and having our first child, Ainsley, who was born uh, in April of 21, knowing that she was coming up, I wanted to kind of lead a Christ-centered life and, and have faith really at the kind of foundation of our home and, and being a dad. And that was hugely important to me. And I just knew that I wasn't doing what was necessary or didn't have that relationship that so many guys even on the call that I can just see have. And you know, I knew I needed help and I wasn't going to be able to do it on my own. So uh, emailed Mike one night and I think we were on a Zoom call November 18th, 2020, uh, that night that, that we spoke. Halfway through the call, I just kind of lost it all in a really good way. But I was obviously very emotional and I didn't really know what I was getting myself into, you know, kind of asking Christ into my life that night. But uh, it just kind of hit me like a ton of bricks in the middle of it. And obviously it was very emotional from there. And as Jen will tell you, it was emotional probably for the rest of the night in a good way. Um, but I knew that it was, uh, it was what I was supposed to do and 